the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. joining me with the Prophecy Zone. My name is Christine Wyke. I am thankful for letting me for Phil letting me fill in for him today. We've been going through the Antichrist and the revelation of the man that I do believe is on earth right now these last few episodes. Um today we're going to look at the beast comes out of the sea, which we know of to be a government and that would be ruled by the Antichrist. Um, The last couple of shows I've detailed a little bit more closely, linked with the clues in the Bible, about how I feel that this could be the rise of a pope. Um, And the scripture that we have for today will more emphatically um, push my opinion a little bit further into the area of biblical truth where I do believe it could be a pope that comes forward. Not necessarily Pope Benedict right now, but the one following him. And uh, just the clues throughout Revelation just more and more show me to to find this more clearly. And I think if you put the pope into the subject line of the Antichrist in the Bible and you use the woman that rides on the Antichrist or rides on the beast as the Roman Catholic Church, I think you will also see more and more that revelation makes sense. And we'll do a little bit more clue finding uh, today with the next verse here in Revelation explaining the beast comes out of the sea. And if you think I've gone out on a limb here to name who the Antichrist's position will be. I can't name him directly, such as uh, Pope uh, John Smith or whatever, but I do believe we can name his position of power, which I do believe is with the papacy. Um, I am going out on a limb and uh, suggesting that it could be the Pope. I think by the end of this show, I'm going to be even more (laughs) out on that limb, probably dangling by one arm, as I make another, oh, I don't know, you would call it kind of a, a revealing fact of a possibility of something that could happen. But we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. 
first of all, we're going to get into Revelation 13. And uh, before we get into a little bit more detail on on this uh, kingdom of the Antichrist, I, I need to make a comment once again that I believe it does make sense. If the Antichrist is to di- display himself in the temple for all to worship as God, first of all, he must make friends with the Jews. Um, the Jews will have to abide by this. But remember, he makes that treaty with the Jewish nation in the beginning of the tribulation period, which is that first period of seven years, and then he breaks that with them at that three-and-a-half-year point and puts himself up in the temple. Uh, that is revealed to us in Daniel as well. Um, how this gets onto the side of the Jews, how he convinces them. Of, well, remember, he's a, he's a real smooth talker. He will convince many. He's a great deceiver. So to say he's going to dupe the Jews into this, oh, he's going to dupe the whole world. So this is uh, also a very good characteristic that he is going to dupe the Christians, which is really his main goal. And that brings me to this point. If the Antichrist is to to display himself as a worship idol uh, imitating God, he must make himself very believable as being the real thing, just like the idea of counterfeiting money. The criminal must make others believe that this money is the real thing by how? By copying very closely the original. Well, this is also going to apply to the Antichrist, as he is going to fool. He is a counterfeit. He must convince the world that the fake, in quote, is actually real. Now, to convince the unbeliever will really be unnecessary. They're already fooled. And since an unbeliever has really no knowledge of the Bible, he is going to be very easily deceived. So the Antichrist would already have those people under his control. It is the believer, the person who does know their Bible, who does know that there's a book called Revelation where it reveals an Antichrist who will force everybody to worship him and take a mark. He is the one, that person, that needs to be convinced. And this is the thought that allows me to say with conviction that the Antichrist will have a very strong Christian, in quote, background. So I say that word Christian lightly because, of course, it's not a Christian. It's a counterfeit. (coughs) Furthermore, we can always say, too, the Pope is already worshipped by millions of Christians today already. Now, some revelations will make the connection of this Antichrist to someone with Islamic faith. Ah, There might be a connection there, and this is where the false prophet, I believe, would come through. And if we have time, we'll touch on a little bit of that today, but I'm really going to get into that on next week's show, on the revealing of who the false prophet could be with the two little horns like that of a lamb, and also the mark. However, if the Christians would notice that this Antichrist is a counterfeit, to have the Antichrist as a Muslim would be, I think, too difficult of a pill for a Christian to swallow. So this is where I really do feel that the Antichrist will come from a Christian background. Revelation 13, verse 1, And the dragon stood at the shore of the sea. 
uh, just a very short verse. Actually, I think that this first verse in chapter 13 seems slightly out of place. Um, It is the same dragon that pursues the woman in Revelation chapter chapter 12. But now the focus of the dragon has shifted, and that was mentioned at the end of chapter 12. The dragon sees that the woman is protected by God. He abandons the thought of going after her, so he goes after her seed. And her seed are all those who believe in Jesus Christ. So not only is that from a Jewish Messianic seed, but I believe it's all Christians. Um, Anybody who has uh, been saved has the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's who the dragon goes after. And that is also made clear here in this chapter. Now notice that the verse here in chapter 13 comes from the setting of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Notice how the dragon is waiting for the beast to come out of the sea. The dragon here is Satan. The timing for Satan to act is planned. His next victim, which is the government of the Antichrist, that next victim must be at the right time, at the right place. And this place is near the shore of the sea. Now, I've seen a lot of symbolic references to this, of what this could mean, spiritual references. But let's take this into consideration here. If the Well, let's go to Revelation. Let's go to that verse again. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns, seven heads, with ten crowns on his horns, and each head had a blasphemous name. Now, some of this we already know. The beast is the government that comes out of the sea. And I believe this is where it could be literal, not symbolic or spiritual. It could mean that this is an area geographically, a, a country or a area of the earth that is completely surrounded by sea, an area coming out of the sea. And to me, that this looks so much like the boot of Italy. That is three-quarters surrounded by sea. Um, you may say, well, there's a symbolic you know, interpretation to this also, and I'm sure there is. But I'm going to use a more simplistic, literal view. Now, we are not told the names which are on the seven heads. And it's, it's kind of amazing how it says each one has a blasphemy blasphemous name obviously these names are offensive and the names are withheld from us now i believe obviously the names are offensive to god why we don't know it's a possibility is because god is not even mentioned um it could be that it is taken on another form of idol worship Could these be part of Islamic nations? I don't know. And because we do not know, it's just speculation. Revelation 13, verse 2. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Now these Animals here, leopard, bear, lion, these are mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. These animals represented the characteristics of three different empires, and they all seem to come together here to describe the beast out of the sea. 
I'm going to read out of the Living Bible here, Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. Then I watched in my dream, and a fourth animal rose out of the ocean. Now, this fourth animal is this beast out of the sea. Too dreadful to describe, incredibly strong. It devoured some of its victims by tearing them apart with its huge iron teeth and others that crushed beneath its feet. It was far more brutal and vicious than any of the other animals, and it had ten horns. Okay, see the similarity here. Daniel chapter 7 is a direct reflection to Revelation 13 verse 2 here. So the beast described in Daniel is also the beast that comes out of the sea in Revelation. Now notice, the other animals are described in Daniel are other kingdoms. This was the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and the Mede-Persian Empire. Uh, not in that order, sorry. starts with the Mede-Persian Empire. Now, the governments will be a combination of these three empires all in one, the government of the Antichrist. That's why they are combined here in Revelation 13:2. The beast that I saw resembled the leopard. Now these, first of all, let's, let's just kind of take the characteristics of a leopard. Now a lot of theologians, theologians like to go ahead and say, oh, a leopard is this such and such a nation. Um, the bear is definitely Russia. Um, just because these countries use these symbols as, you would say, um, all symbols of, of their nationality does not mean that they are the symbols used in Revelation. I think what God is saying here is the description of the animals. Look at this. A leopard is very swift, fast-moving, able to overcome its prey. Now, this is a possibility of this could have been the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, man, he was swift um, and conquered many, many nations very quickly. Uh, it's very possible that that's what's describing this. This is a government that moves very quickly, able to overcome its prey. Now, a bear is very strong, stable. It de- <laughs> Did you ever see a bear going after a beehive? Even though it's getting stung on the nose, it is got it. It, it it's got it in its mind it's going to get that honey it's determined it's strong it will tear things up to get what it wants um i think you can see very many examples of a grizzly bear in action now a lion shows extreme strength and wisdom a lion will stalk its prey for days waiting for the right moment um it also shows wisdom and leadership king of the beasts Notice the description of the lion as a characteristic of the government of the Antichrist. So what I think God is trying to explain is that this new government that we will see coming will be almost unbeatable, unstoppable in the eyes of man. But God, of course, has a different outcome planned. So we we will see the rise of an incredible one-world government. But what else would it be added to it? How about all sources of evil? Satan passes all his power and authority to the government, which turns into a dictatorship. 
obviously run by the Antichrist himself. This will be nothing like the world has ever seen before. Read that last part of Revelation 13, verse 2. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. It's almost like Satan is handing off everything to the Antichrist. Can you now see how powerful the Antichrist will be? He's got Satan's 100% capabilities, not only in authority, but also in just evil. And that, to me, has just got to be amazing because we've never seen that in any other man before. Yeah, we've had Hitler. We've had other dictators that were just plumb evil. But nothing compared to what's coming because Satan gives everything over. It says all of his power, all of his authority. It's almost like Satan's going to take a vacation here for these uh, three and a half years. That would be interesting to see uh, where Satan goes. I think he just sits back and just lets the guy go and just say, okay, all yours, you're my substitute for evil. You go ahead and um, I'll let you finish the job here against the saints. Revelation 13, verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Okay, we need to pick this one part a little bit. First of all, the fatal head thing is mentioned more than once, so I think that's an interesting comment. Uh, the fatal wound being healed is actually mentioned three times. And this is the part where I said, if you think I went on the limb naming the Antichrist as, a, as the Pope, I'm really going to be dangling by one arm here. I actually had this idea come to me while I was driving um, one time, one afternoon. I have not seen this interpretation anywhere else. So I have thrown this around in my mind. I have prayed about this. I'm going to put my best explanation of this one forward. How could a fatal wound have been healed? And the whole world is astonished. Okay, let's go back. Remember the statue in Daniel had the feet made of both iron and clay, representing the kingdom of the Antichrist. The feet were split, separated from each other, but yet a pair of feet. How would the scenario occur if the Antichrist, or a pope, should have a split personality? Hang with me here on this. A split personality is a type of mental illness, and it's more commonly called multiple personality disorder. It is triggered by a trauma of either a mental or a physical nature. Will the Antichrist suffer from this? Well, here may be the answer to that question. One of the heads or one of the kings receives a fatal wound. Now, Look at this wording, fatal wound. That means it causes death. This is a wound that is healed and the king comes back to life. Now, the only king this could have happened to is the one that has not reigned yet. We have not seen this fulfilled any other part of history. So this is something still coming. 
So the king mentioned here is the seventh head that comes to be the Antichrist. There is an assassination of the Antichrist. It's mentioned three times in this chapter. I feel if it's repeated that often, it needs to be given attention. If the Pope is assassinated and the entire world sees him come back to life, that would be amazing. Remember that last part of Revelation 3, verse 3, 13, verse 3. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. So, what if the Pope comes back to life a different character? This is where your split personality comes in. I believe the possibility is very likely. That's when the eighth king comes to power. Now we have to go back into Revelation about the the sixth now is, the seventh is yet to come, and then there's an eighth that is a part of the other original. That is just, like I said, it's just almost mind-boggling the way the Bible zigzags back and forth, but it makes sense. If the eighth king is a part of one of the other seven, that makes sense. It's a different character, but he's the same person. This is the one who comes from hell and has received authority from Satan himself. Now, he enters the body of the dead pope, possesses it like a demon, and he comes back to life as somebody else. Now, remember, this part goes back to Revelation as well. John was told that there was one one of the kings was, now is not, but will come. At the time of John, there was a Roman Empire emperor that was, he was Nero. He was gone at the time of John. He was dead by then. Do you think he comes out of the abyss or out of hell to reincarnate the Pope, coming back as a reincarnation of Nero? Now, if you think, oh, come on, she's way off here. couple things to this. How many of you have a Bible that translates the number of the beast? I think it's what, Revelation 13, verse 18, uh, where it says the number of the beast to be 666. Add the numerical values and the number of his name. Some translations have it as 616. In fact, that's a footnote in the Living Bible that some versions name it as 616. Well, when you calculate with the Greek gematria, the name of Caesar Nero, it adds to 616. Also, how many people know Nero on a first-name basis? If you ask the most hated Roman emperor, who do you think it would be? I think even some high school kids would know that one, Nero. If you mention the word Nero, how many people know who he is? I think a lot of people do. Now, if you name the word Hitler, that's another one. People know these tyrants by what they have done. And Nero is no different. But Nero lived 2,000 years ago, and uh, or a little less than 2,000 years ago. It's amazing how that memory of him is still remaining in people's minds. 
Now, this is something that I have found that's interesting. There is a ritual carried out by the Catholic Church that was never taught by Jesus or the apostles. It is a ritual that occurs at the time of death for every pope. When a cardinal becomes a pope, he chooses a man to be his camerlingo. Now, the camerlingo has the job of declaring the pope officially dead. The Pope is declared dead by a medical examiner first, and then the body of the Pope is given to the Camerlingo. Now, the Camerlingo is like a right-hand man of the Pope. His only job is to declare the Pope dead. Now, this is what the Camerlingo does with the body of a dead Pope. He takes a silver hammer. People, I'm not kidding here. Look this up. This is an actual ritual that was performed on Pope John Paul II. He takes a silver hammer and taps the Pope's forehead three times, calling out the Pope's birth name with each tap. If the Pope does not respond, he is then declared dead. I'm just thinking, what's the purpose of the medical examiner at this point? But why is this ritual survived? It's almost medieval. I believe it is still in place today for exactly this time of explanation in the book of Revelation. Imagine the Pope declared dead by today's medical standards and then tapping the head with a hammer by a camerlingo, he rises back to life. No wonder the world is astonished and follows the Antichrist. I think this miraculous event could take place at the three-and-a-half-year mark of the tribulation period. I also wonder, and I really wish I could have a true answer to this, once the Pope is declared dead by a medical examiner, how many days or how long does it take before the Camerlingo taps the forehead? Is it possible it's three days later? Wouldn't that be amazing? Somebody rises from the dead after three days. Does that sound typical to be able to counterfeit God with? To say that you have done that, to show yourself dead for three days and then rise from the dead? Uh, That would probably fool quite a few people. Uh, Maybe that would fool quite a few Jews who are looking for their Messiah because that is prophecy in the old prophets that he would rise again after three days. Uh, that's just something interesting. I, I wish I knew the answer to how much length of time is there that the Pope needs to be dead before the Camerlingo will tap on the forehead. Revelation 13, verse 4. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? People now realize who is actually in control. And they worship Satan, exactly what Satan wants. They are not worshiping God for rising the Antichrist from the dead. They know that the power has come from Satan. Now, the world is in such an awe of this person, but yet the world feels helpless under his control. Do you notice the call here for help? Uh, Maybe it isn't help. Maybe it's a statement of pride. Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? In other words, is this a call for help? Who can fight this person? 
Who can help us try to beat this person? Who can help us to destroy this Antichrist? Or is it a proud statement? Who would dare to go against such a leader? Who would dare question the authority of such a person who's come back from the dead? And I believe he accompanies accompanies that with many, many miracles. Revelation thirteen, five through seven. The beast was the beast was given a mouth to utter proud word and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for forty two months. There's your three and a half years. He slanders God, he slanders his name, and he does what? He is given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He is given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Revelation Revelation 13, verse 8, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. This is very clear here. If you worship the beast, you will then follow Satan, and that is going to be brought out with the mark that we will take care of next week on next week's show. My name is Christine Wyke. You can reach me at 888-653-9752, or you can go ahead and catch my email, explain this at att.net, and my website is explainthis.us. I thank you again for tuning in to the Prophecy Zone, and I hope to have this discussion again with you as we further into the false prophet and the mark of the beast on next week's show. Thank you very much.